This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch. For those of you who want to watch the live show, it's 11 a.m. Pacific Center time. Frontline Gaming underscore TV. Thank you so much for joining us, those of you in the chat. It's always fun to have a little conversation before the show begins, especially like today when somebody's laptop had to update Windows. Microsoft. That was fun, just sitting here staring at the uh, little percentage sign going up to 100%. But uh, these things happen. Uh, for those of you joining us not live, thank you so so much. However you consume the media, whether it be YouTube, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, uh, however you enjoy it, thank you so much. Please make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff so we can help spread the good word about the hobby. Oh boy. Uh, I'm your host, Reese, aka Reeseus on the interwebs. With me is the one, the only, the rhino. Petey Pop from Chapter Tactics, second week in a row. Yes, indeed. The banana has split. He is off to Vegas, where he's going to finish up his tenure here at Frontline Gaming, uh, helping to train his replacement to run the FLG Paint Studio. Uh, we wish him well as he goes on into new ventures in life, uh, but he will always be a friend. He will always be the banana of my heart. You know, you know, Reese, I figured it out. Figured it out uh, why why you sent the banana off on its way to do things and brought me on for the second week in a row. It's because you were tired of being not the best looking guy on the show. You know what, Pablo? When you're right, you're right. That's right. So that you brought was some, me on. Uh, that was some Dr. Phil level insights there. You know, About a gazillion episodes in, he's on top, finally. Who can really compete with the banana? I mean, he looks just like like a stockier, shorter, less rich and famous version of Adam Levine. Yeah, and then before that, you had Frankie, the the punk rock diva model. We got hooked on phonics, GM Papa. We've had a long series of the bar is very low, Pablo. You should come in and clean up. <laughs> Absolutely. Give give me two years like the banana. I'll I'll, I'll do the banana regiment. Um, that's what he calls it. It's patented. Uh, and then you know, in about two years, you'll see me. I'll be looking fit like a young. Uh, Adonis. Latin Latin Adonis. Yes, you'll you be know. you'll be the coconut Adonis. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Intro time. Uh so indeed, let's jump in and talk about what's new and cool in the tabletop gaming universe. Not that anything in the tabletop gaming gaming universe is cool, but that's okay. Cause now it's hip to be a nerd. Let's jump right in. So first of all, our Black Friday sale has begun. Uh we do it once a year. <laughs> that was a dad joke. Come on, come on. Uh, the Black Friday sale has begun. We have some hot discounts on all FLG mats and ITC terrain. We don't normally discount the ITC terrain during these sales, but we are for Black Friday. And we have not one, not two, not three, but six new FLG mat designs available in a wide variety of themes. Uh is gonna queue those pictures up and we'll go through them real quick. These are available in every size that we make, uh, which now there's six or seven different sizes from four by eight 
to uh, the diminutive 30 by 22, which is perfect for games like Kill Team or Warcry. Uh, we have always sucked at naming products, and nothing has changed. <laughs> but they do. They may not be very creative, but they really do tell you what it is. It's a descriptive name. It, they are. What it is. I love urban L shape building. Urban square shape building. You're like yeah, whatever. So, speaking of urban, urban and orc terrain were some of the trains that people asked about consistently um, when we discontinued them we actually brought back the orc icc terrain it is finally back it is here uh it is one of our most popular terrain sets um and it's also discounted through our black friday sale so um that's another thing that that you should all look forward to uh the orc terrain is amazing it's, it's really great terrain uh you know so go check that out in the web cart yeah absolutely the orc terrain is is back finally uh, but then we have a wide variety of uh, mats. You're seeing them now live. Uh, or if you're listening, let me describe them to you in great detail. Just kidding, I won't do that. Uh, we have a new one, Snow Cobblestone Village. It's the Cobblestone Village mat with uh, patches of snow on it. Dunes, which is my favorite of the new mats. Uh, obviously, it's uh, depicting sand dunes. It's a very beautiful mat. Very, very um, evocative colors. I think that one will be quite popular. Uh, we, then we have a uh, Civic Cobblestone, which... Much like our asphalt mat is just a flat plane of cobblestone. It'll be really, really good for any uh, game set in, you know, a medieval or uh, renaissance period urban setting. Great for games like Malifaux, War Machine and Hordes, uh, RPGs, especially the smaller size mats. We have Savannah, which is another natural themed mat. It'll be great for any kind of, really any game can be played on those. Um, we do have the, the new Stalingrad mats, mats, which we've been talking about for a significant period of time. We have these in 15 millimeter scale and 28 millimeter scale. Games like 40K are played at the 28, well, really 32 now millimeter scale. Um, but the 28 would be perfect for that. And then the 15 millimeter is perfect for games like uh, Flames of War. Um, it, you could, they'd be really, work really well with uh, Adeptus Titanicus as well. And at the 28 millimeter scale, they'd be great for games like Bolt Action or any game, 40K, anything that's set in an urban setting. But it was designed to look like the famous uh, Battle of Stalingrad from World War II, one of the bloodiest battles in history. It was pretty gnarly. Uh, and then th probably the most beautiful map we've made in a long time, the new Coral Reef. And obviously, as the name would imply, it's an aquatic setting on a coral reef. Uh, the colors are, are beautiful on this map. And I think it'd be great for... Uh, any naval game, clearly, but also you could play it into some miniatures game in uh, like shallow waters. Uh, for Age of Sigmar, something like the Eidneth Deepkin. This is a mat that's like tailor-made for uh, a thematic setting for a, a game like that. Uh, very cool. And what I've seen some people do is take the Adeptus Mechanicus terrain, put it on the aquatic-themed mats, and oh. make it look like like an oil rig kind of a, a setting, which is great for games like Infinity or Kill Team, um, games like that, like more skirmish level games. It's a lot of fun. I also love the ocean mats. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't do in Star Wars X-Wing is use non-space themed mats. Um, but they're, they're totally ship battles in planets, like, like in atmosphere. Uh, that happened and so I really like like our ocean 3x3 and this coral reef mat would look beautiful um, just for like an exotic new setting uh, for your X-Wing miniatures games too at a 3x3 size. Well in the, um, in the the Last Jedi there's that awesome scene from what are really pretty crappy movies 
But uh, there's the great scene of Poe flying the X-Wing over the water, which the visuals in those movies are great. Plot's a little thin. But that made me think of that because that was a really cool scene. Yeah, absolutely. When you, they're coming in hot over the water. Uh, and then, of course, the org train is back, as Pablo said. One of our most popular sets of train. And uh, it took us a while to get those back up and running after we switched manufacturing partners on that and brought it in-house. Uh, this week's GW pre-order is some exciting stuff. Obviously, we had, for about 15 minutes, the Sisters of Battle uh, army box that came with all the new models and the uh, Codex, but that sold out like it was like 20 minutes or something like that. Um, yeah. And they're, and they're gone. We, you know, GW warned everybody on the Warhammer community page. We warned everybody. Um, those came and went in a heartbeat. So hope, congratulations to those of you who are Johnny on the spot and picked one up. To those of you that missed out, that's a bummer. But um, of course, you'll be able to buy those things individually in time. But what is still available, uh, the new Wonder, Warhammer Underworld's uh, Beast Grave uh, Warband. Yes. Warband. It's uh, Snarl Fangs. Rip us Snarl Fangs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was like, Snarl Fangs Wolf Club or something like that. Yeah, and for those of you who played uh, Old Fantasy, the Goblin Wolf Riders, uh, that is the Rip of Snarl Fangs is what they're based off of. I don't know what their Age of Sigmar faction is, uh, but they, you know, they're really cool models. Um, I, I love, love Beastgrave um, because I've always liked the idea of fantasy beasts and fantasy pets, um, and they're definitely diving into that setting with Beastgrave, um, with, the, with the little dog, the, um, the demon dog thing that they yeah. came out the all of the, the sets yeah all the sets not all of them but a lot of them have like a little pet yes and what uh one of the things that i we've been using the miniatures for is like rpgs the the uh underworld's minis are like perfect for uh you know D D pathfinder whatever and like all the little pets and stuff are super fun to use as uh familiars or like an animal companion or something like that in the game so uh and then the model's like I've been putting a lot of them together especially for that purpose lately. And the snap fit models, like I'm a huge fan of, I, I was kind of like, yeah, it seems like kitty stuff. And then when I actually have been assembling them, now the technology, their technique in making them is so advanced, they look spectacular. And the models still look good too. That's quality did not oh, suffer yeah. from that. They're so good. And they're in these ultra dynamic poses. It's really, it's, it's truly impressive how far they've come from the second edition uh, the, the first, uh, you know, not beaky plastic model kit uh, Space Marines where they were all like this and it was a snap fit where you just pushed the bolter onto them and they're all the same pose. <laughs> They've come a long way from those days. Uh, and then the other release, obviously, there's also all kinds of other stuff that comes along with this, cards and and such. Uh, jump into store.frontlinegaming.org uh, store and you can see all of the different releases for both of these two kind of topical areas. Um, uh, both Faith and Fury and the, the new Beast Grave release. Uh, and of course, book two in Psychic Awakening, Faith and Fury, and there are other models that come along with this as well. You can check those out. Get them at a discount with free shipping options in the continental United States if you want to from Frontline Gaming. Uh, and this is a big release for uh, 40K, especially in the match play community. It offers a ton, ton of new stuff. It's definitely, in my opinion, going to shake, shake up the meta. Um, Really exciting stuff, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show more in depth. But these are up for pre-order, and you can grab those from us if you like at a discount. But, oh boy, GW dropped a bombshell today. They showed off the new uh, Mephiston, Mephiston, mm. Mephistopheles, 
whatever. Everyone pronounces this in a different way. I've always said uh, Mephiston, Mephiston, uh, who cares? Potato, potato. Uh, however you pronounce it, the new model is amazing. Beautiful. Really, really uh, spectacular. Mwah. Yeah. Great. Well uh, done. And, and as someone who, who is a big fan of hair, I love the full set of hair that they got on this model. He has a luxurious mane. This guy should have been or probably has been in his very long, what, 5,000-year existence on the cover of some romance novels. He was definitely on Space Marine Monthly. He was on that that racy uh, Danielle Steele rendition of uh, Twilight where it's Mephiston and uh, uh, Celestine draped across his arms. Oh, you read a lot more fanfic. Forearm across his forehead, her forehead. <laughs> He's shirtless, that mane of hair blowing in the breeze. It's got like a sheen of sweat on his chest. Oh, yeah. Makes it so he can really show off the muscles. Definitely. And Space Marines are artistic, so he probably painted that himself. Oh, totes. No sparkles on him whatsoever because real <laughs> vampires don't sparkle. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know that, that then, joke was good about 10 and then years Lehman, ago, Reese. Lehman Russ is in the background. He's like, don't touch my girl, Mephiston. Because yeah. remember, there's a werewolf in Twilight. For, for those of you who are wondering, Come on, Twilight yeah. was a movie series about, you know, 10, a book 12 years, book and movie series about 10, 12 years ago that people were outraged about that now no one cares about. So what? outraged about like every girl in the country read those books and every it uh, was vampire hyper. nerd. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was basically fan fiction. It was like a, a Dracula romance novel fan fiction that was like written at like a teenage level, but somehow blew up. My sister was obsessed with those there books. Was, there was a lot she of put a, a Twilight sticker on her car. <laughs> Not like a Team Edward sticker. I was like, really? I don't. Oh, I God. didn't even do that on my car. With like. All right, that's K. that's enough tween tween novel reminiscing. Oh, uh, Mevston looks great. Pablo's in the fan club. <laughs> um, <laughs> the psychic waiting blood of ball. I'm super excited for this. So, can we stop for one second? Sure. The next book is called Blood of Ball. Blood of Ball. You know. The BB book. <laughs> the, the jokes, yeah, the jokes write themselves. Like, is that why his robes are red? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, in the 41st millennium where everything's named thunder something. The blood skull, of, just, grown blood. just add an S to it. Just go all the way. <laughs> go balls deep, as one oh might say. All right, all right. Come on, that's the worst <laughs> name of all time. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they, you know this is the ultimate the ultimate ending to this story should be that much like the novel Dune that the world of Ball which is a desert planet gets covered in an ocean where am I going with this and then nope. the planet of Ball which was once brown nope it's now blue nope <laughs> Not going there. Oh, all right. Come on. That all right. Genius. All right. <laughs> Let's bring it down to uh, an adult level now. Oh, sure. All right. So, but, well, but seriously. Okay, let's look at some more pictures of toys in an adult manner. <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. Come on. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for the, the fluff behind it. It's featuring the Blood Angels and the Nids, which is really interesting because if you're up on the 41st Millennium fluff now that Gilliman... Uh, has been arisen uh, you'll know that the nids were wiped out by corn um, when they attacked ball in like the 12th hour 
uh, right before they're going to wipe out the last of the Blood Angels. Uh, and then Gilliman broke through and introduced the Primaris Marines to them. So this is obviously set after that, a couple hundred years after that. So it'll be interesting to see where the Blood Angels are as a uh, as a chapter. Obviously, Mephiston has been... Oh, he looks Primaris-sized to me. He went um, he went to the Rubicon Primaris. Yeah, yeah so, he so now he's a Primaris Marine. Um, and the Nids are back. So it'll be interesting to see what the Nids got, how the Maelstrom affected them, um, because they are still roaming around the planet. And... Uh, unfortunately, GW has kind of left them out in the dark uh, as a faction. So it'll be interesting to see what they do and what they add to the table. That's because they're in deep space, bro. It's true. It's dark out there. Uh, obviously, cool cool stuff coming if you're a Blood Angels player. Um, I would think now the pattern's pretty firmly been established. If I was a Blood Angels player, I would expect something similar to what you got in Faith and Fury for Black Templars. I think that's a reasonable expectation. If you're a Nid player like myself... Uh, you should get excited. There's some cool stuff coming for Nids. Uh, they get a boost in a lot of different ways. A lot of a lot of units that um, haven't been seeing the tabletop lately have been are going to get some attention. I think that's really neat. Hopefully, it gives them the 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 push that they need to get more representation on the tabletops. And just in case you're out there saying Nids are horrible, well, they're not doing that well competitively. But I do got to give a shout out to my boy. Uh, Will Travato, he went with us to the LGT and he went five and one with pure nids and he beat a wide variety of very competitive armies, including two Eldar flyer armies, beat them quite handily. Um, so well done. You can do it, right? Like it is doable with nids. That was the second biggest uh, tournament in the world for 40k singles event. Um, and five and one with pure nids is impressive. Yeah. So. Yeah, and um, I just actually reminded me of this. Uh, Peter the Falcon dropped this little nugget on me. Uh, the two worst performing factions right now um, in 40k tournaments are actually Blood Angels and Tyranids, uh, and they're getting their are own they, Psychic Awakening book. They supplanted Dark Angels and Space Wolves? Yeah, yeah. So really? I asked, yeah, so for the last episode of Chapter Tactics, I asked uh, Peter, um, we didn't end up going into the topic, but I asked him what the two worst performing factions are. Is that, uh, and is that is that eighth edition to date or uh, what time frame? I believe it's the since Space Marines have come out. Uh, I don't okay. I don't think he's measuring beyond anything beyond Just Space like Marines. Currently, yeah, yeah, currently. Okay. So um, so it's kind of cool that they get their own Psychic Awakening book. Uh, and we were just kind of joking about maybe like a battle report featuring the worst, the two worst factions. Um, but now they might not be the two worst factions anymore because of this book. So we'll see. Oh, you, I guarantee they won't be. No. Um, so that, that's exciting stuff. It's interesting. And, uh, you know, get excited. It's, it's funny. Blood Angels is one of those factions that when people like, like when that's like your favorite faction, people are like super into it. Yeah. Um, it was really cool on the Warhammer community page. They showed Paul Murphy from Forge Narrative. Uh, podcast long 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 time blood in his plan uh, uh fan doesn't always play them he does chase the meta to a certain extent but he's a huge fan of them and he just he loves them and then like thomas extramoki one of our painters great guy loves blood angels. loves blood angels and uh chris morgan um also from forge or i think he's still in forge narrative um diehard yep. blood angels fan like it's like the only army he plays like i've noticed there's like a few factions in the game that evoke that level of enthusiasm from their fans. It's like orcs. Black Templar. Black Templar, Space Wolves. Blood Angels. And Blood Angels. Like, those are the ones that, that that I can think of, like, numerous people I've met that for, like, decades have only played those armies. Like, yeah. ultra-enthusiastically. Yeah, and they take a lot of pride in the yeah. painting and, like, the full immersion. Because um, I have buddies that are orc players that have only ever played orcs their whole life. And they, they maybe have dabbled in one or two other armies, but they always come back to orcs. And they have, like... 
like 20, 30,000 points of painted orcs. It's insanity. Yeah, and there are, those are the ones you hear whawing in the tournaments uh, while it's, everyone else rolls their eyes. It, it, yeah, but you know what? It brings a lot of that's flavor. True. I love I love them personally. But um, but yeah, those are the ones you hear whawing or, or praising their, their Primarch, you know, things like that. And you, you do meet some dedicated Eldar players, but nobody likes them anyway, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> Talking to you, Ray Ahumada. I'm actually a dedicated Inari player, Reese. Been, I have you. been Thank for like six much. months since they yeah, came out. It's, you know, I've been playing them since they came out. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, I do. the Inari lore is actually really cool. Um, it just needs to be fleshed out more. Yeah, it's going to take time. Yeah. You know, uh, at any rate, and that's a good uh, plug too. Check out the last uh, Chapter Tactics and, of course, 40K Stat Center in the FLGN for the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Always cool stuff and lots of very you know, crunchy nuts and bolts information, especially stats and are going over like obviously stats and what went on in the last week's tournaments. Uh, always some really good information to be had there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The BAO 2020 is a go and we have confirmed uh, with KublaCon we will be a part of that event, but we are in our own building this year. Uh, we will be at the Marriott waterfront and you can go ahead and book your room now if you want to get ahead of the rush. Uh, just as an FYI, all the hotels for this event fill up, like completely fill up. KublaCon is a huge uh, gaming con in general. There's lots to see and do. It's a very cool, long-running event. It's been going for much longer than the BAO. Um, so if you want to uh, go to the event, you can grab your uh, 40K champs and AOS champs early bird tickets. Now, if you want, they include registration to the overall con. The individual event tickets will not be uh, available until March 1st. But um, if you want to grab the 40K or AOS tickets now, you can do so. If you want to book your hotel room now, you can do so. We do recommend that you do. The BAO always sells out, and we're very excited. This is the 10th anniversary of the Bay Area Open. Uh, this was what started Frontline Gaming. Uh, it's a very storied, long-running, prestigious 40K event. And we're very excited to come back for the 10th year. We do have more room this year so we can fit more people. But the BAO has sold out every year since like the second year. So you definitely don't want to hesitate. You don't want to wait too long on grabbing those tickets. Definitely recommend getting them. Yeah, it's just it's a great event. The The locals all come out um, in the area and they come out. And there's a lot of really amazing players um, up in Northern California and then Southern California as well. Um, so it's always an event I look forward to. Uh, it's just like the SoCal Open. It's a really cool, chill event. And if you have an idea, if you want an idea of what the West Coast, West Coast meta looks like, uh, you can check that out. Yeah, it'll be one of the, the biggest majors in the country again. And uh, you can get a lot of points. And in addition to the 40K champs and the AOS champs, we will be doing uh, 40K RTTs, Kill Team, uh, Age of Sigmar doubles, all kinds of fun stuff. There will be other events as well. Yep, absolutely. All righty. So... Faith and Fury, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, too much to cover in depth on signals in one episode. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of information in here. So we wanted to talk about just kind of some of the highlights in our opinion. I'm not saying that these are the most exciting things in the book or the best things in the book. This is just some of the things that we wanted to talk about. So obviously Black Templars get the Space Marine treatment in here. Very exciting. Uh, a little underwhelming, in my opinion, on the Black Templars. They're, obviously, it's a huge boost compared to what they had. But if you're looking at, if you're going in there and going like, oh, how do these compare to like Iron Hands? 
they're gonna think they're gonna be found wanting. Um, they get all the bells and the whistles. It's just like their core sort of tricks or their core like uh, game mechanics are certainly a big improvement over what they were, huge improvement. They're definitely gonna be able to compete, but I don't think that they're gonna be up there punching with the heavyweights. Uh, but if you're a dedicated Black Templars player, like we were talking about earlier, a lot to be excited about, right? If you Absolutely. Were, if you were hoping to take them to the top at the LVO, I mean, it's certainly possible, but it's uh, less likely than if you were to play some of the true powerhouse armies in the current meta. Yeah, and I think they're in a place for uh, dedicated Black Temple players to, to be satisfied with a winning record, um, which, which is ultimately, I think, where every faction needs to be at a minimum, um, is that if you're a dedicated player to that faction, uh, and you put in the time and work, you can go, you know, four and two, maybe five and one at a super major uh, with that faction um, as a pure version of that faction. So I think Black Templars can definitely do that. Now um, they get some really cool tricks on top of just what they normally had, which was the four plus psychic power deny and um, good close combat. Yeah, they, they certainly got a significant improvement. Um, but let's talk about some of the things that we were more excited about. Pablo was going to talk about the Masters of the Chapters upgrades, which Space Marines uh, gives them even more tools, more power, more, <laughs> more, more. And uh, I don't think they, you know, from a, from a competitive perspective, certainly wasn't necessary. From a lore and fleshing them out fully, it's awesome. If you are a Space Marine player, it's incredible. There's so much cool, fun stuff in here. Um, but it's yet more tools in the toolbox for the already formidable Space Marines. Uh, Papa, why don't we talk about some of the Masters of the Chapter upgrades and all the goodies and fun stuff that they got? Yeah, so first off, I want to start off with the Master of Sanctity. Uh, not only is he the first ma uh, Master in the book, but I also think he's going to be the most powerful and he's going to be the one that most people start taking. Space Marine Chaplains were already uh, an HQ unit that you saw commonly in Space Marine lists, whether they were White Scars, Raven Guard, Ultramarines. Uh, they weren't taken so much in Iron Hands lists, although I think that's going to change a little bit now because they're so versatile. They can do so much. Uh, they're cheap. They can give multiple buffs. They can become little smash captains themselves. Uh, the the term the slaplin has been floating around online. Slap chap. The slap chap, whatever you want to call it. That uh, sounds so that, much better than slaplin. You know, we all call it different things. The point is, is that that little slap chap lin will absolutely crush an Eldar Flyer. Uh, we'll go into uh, kind of a hardy unit and do really well. They can kill a couple Centurions. Um, it's just, it's a really good versatile, cheap HQ choice for Space Marines who have a ton of those options. Um, so I think with the Master Sanctity, you're definitely gonna see people take the one CP to make their Chaplain a Master Sanctity. It gives them the ability to use two uh, litanies, which before previously only Chaplain Cassius at 85 points of the Ultramarines was able to do it. So now you're able to get a cheaper Chaplain Cassius with maybe even with a jump pack, although I don't think he's cheaper with the jump pack. Um, if you you, you, out you take him with a jump pack. Take, I, I can't yeah. imagine why you would not. Yeah, you get a, essentially a Chaplain Cassius points cost equivalent with a jump pack for any Space Marine chapter. That's so powerful. And on top of that, you get access to more litanies uh, depending on, or they have chapter specific litanies now. So, uh, they're they're not some of them are a little underwhelming uh the one that sticks out to me the most is the white scars one yeah it gives a six it's inch, ridiculous yeah, it gives a six inch model bubble of rerolls to wound uh, around the chaplain in the fight phase um i know it's just in the fight phase however uh chaplains by nature are already going to be in your face raven guard and white scars chaplains rely on their ability to get close and give those litany buffs to close combat units 
So uh, the White Scar's Chaplain's already going to be there. It's already going to be close range. Uh, and then full rerolls to wound. Uh, if you have a successor chapter and you're fishing for sixes to wound um, or whatever, it's just it's it's really really powerful. Um, and just and rerolls to wound is really powerful in general. That, yeah, I 100% agree with everything you're saying because I was already taking a chaplain just for the plus two inch advance and charge aura, which with white scars is bananas good because they can advance and charge right. Like it's already ludicrously good. And then on top of that, you can also get rerolls to wound, and then you can also take a warlord trait. Wise order, which you would, if you're going to take the Master of Sanctity, you should take this, in my opinion, every time. Yep. Unless you reroll the dice to determine if you're, um, they call it chanting or, or whatever, reciting the, you're, when you're doing the thing. <laughs> reciting the litany. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that thing. Uh, you can reroll the die, and then uh, you can also add three inches to the range uh, of it. And if you make him your Warlord uh, with space range, you can give him an additional Warlord trait. So you could have a, a nine inch bubble of both of these things with rerolls on it, uh, it's extremely, extremely good. You can give it three up invul save yeah, if you it, chose to. And we don't talk about the the final one, the Emperor's Judgment. It, it's also really powerful too. That relic, um, when you're making an attack against that model, your opponent can't reroll the the rolls at all. It's just a natural roll. It's um, very strong. It's, it, that is very very strong because rerolls are very important. Uh, and combined with some of the warlord traits from other like Salamanders, for example, you can give him plus two toughness um, so that he's already really tougher to, to hit. Uh, it's just, I think that the Master Sanctity and all of the benefits, the Warlord traits and relics that you get from it, um, I think all of them are good. I think you, you can make an argument for taking any of them uh, in your list, uh, and it just makes it just a very versatile HQ choice. So watch out for Chaplains. Um, if you're a Space Marine player, try to add them in the list if you haven't, uh, and then buy those Jump Pack Chaplains from, H from GW because they might sell out. Buy them from Frontline Gaming. I'm sorry, buy them from Frontline Gaming, the ones that GW produces. Go to FrontlineGaming.org, buy those Chaplains, uh, because as we've been seeing with like the Eliminators, the Centurion Devastators, the Invictor Tactical Warsuits, uh, they do tend to sell out because a lot of Space Marine players are buying those models, um, and the Chaplain, I suspect, might be one of them. So Yeah, indeed. They're... they're extremely good for the points chaplain went from zero to hero and the, and the speed of one codex <laughs> uh, and then of course it would be remiss not to mention the black templars get a whole chart of new yes uh, litanies they, yeah, have, they six, have access to 13 they have six new ones, yeah. 12 total um litanies which is really really good yeah you'll be seeing a lot of chaplains with uh black templars uh the master of the forge is the upgrade for the uh, tech marines pretty cool uh, you can automatically heal three wounds. There's a bunch Straight. of other stuff. And obviously with Iron Hands, that's that's very good. Yeah. Um, the Chief Librarian is going to be extremely common. You can get an extra power. You can cast an extra power, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, and then you can also um, take a Warlord trait that lets you mix and match. Uh, obviously very good. If you take a Phobos Librarian, you have like, what, three charts you can choose from? Yeah, yeah. And that, that was actually one of the problems with Librarians before. Uh, a lot of players are were... Um, debating whether they should even add any librarians because they had to take two librarians to get two specific powers. Um, and the Phobos librarian is a very common choice. But now that you can take one librarian and give them the ability to pick and choose from up to three different tables, uh, it really makes your librarian a good Swiss army knife, depending on your faction. So I think I, I foresee the general Space Marine HQ load up for lists being something like a Phobos captain or a captain of some kind, a chaplain and a librarian i think that's going to be very common um and they're all going to be fighting for those warlord traits those relics and uh you're going to be spending a lot of warlords. cp yeah. before the game begins that's it's, also true yeah like with it depends on your chapter like some of them don't need it as much 
Um, but like white scars, I was I was buying like three or four. Like I was fully upgrading everybody because yep. they're going into combat, and melee characters want every buff they can get. Yeah. Uh, the chief the chief apothecary That's also good. really really cool. Um, can heal twice. Can do all kinds of fun stuff. Apothecaries, in my opinion, if you're not using one as a space marine player, unless you're playing a vehicle army, obviously not as uh, necessary. But if you're playing an infantry army and you're not using an apothecary, you're making a mistake. They're so, so good. They're so useful. Yeah, they're really good, and especially with how good centurions are now these days. Yeah. Uh, apothecary, just the fact that you can heal a centurion and then revive another one if your opponent dealt like one wound to a centurion so that you can't revive them. Uh, the master, the chief apothecary lets you heal that unit twice in a row. Uh, it's, it's so powerful. And also the plus one, the feel no pain aura yeah. uh, is really, really good, especially with iron hands because it makes their feel no pain a five, five plus. Up. I know. And then you can buff that with their internal supplement stratagems and stuff. It's just it's crazy uh, how durable that army can get. And I love the 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 special bolt pistol. That's 16 inch strength, five AP, three three damage against vehicles and monsters. Yeah. Not that you're ever gonna take it, but it's just funny. It's I was like, bah. I was kind of hoping they have a bolt pistol that you shoot at your unit and heal them. <laughs> just like here's a syringe, pop, heal D three wounds. Like in uh, uh, Team Fortress Two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny. Uh, the chapter ancient is uh, has some really good stuff. That's the banner bearer. You can make it instead of the company uh, ancient, it become the the chapter ancient. Um, and there was uh, some really good ones in there. Uh, oh yeah, the heroic intervention aura is super really good. good. <laughs> heroic interventions are powerful. Um, also, the one that the other one stood out to me was one that might have been might have been a, a year or too late. And that's the if a unit can shoot again when it dies a model can shoot again when it dies it's ballistic skill and weapon skill are considered to be two plus for that shot or the uh, one where they'll let you get two attacks instead of one yeah yeah so yeah. so that one would have been benefited reese's army uh way back in the day when he was running his ultramarines with his ancient uh, and the snipers and gillum and um just having them hit on a two plus would be would be huge it just makes them that much more efficient um as it stands the chapter ancient's still really good it's still a solid choice and then the, the sneaky one, the Warlord trait that lets you count every model counts as two models for um, uh, controlling objectives. That's extraordinarily powerful if you build to do it. Yep. Um, that's one of those ones that I think a lot of people are going to pass over. But when the first time it works for you, you're like, wow, I just won the game because of this. So that's another one that I think is going to be sneaky good. Um, is it better than a heroic intervention bubble? Well, I guess it depends on what army you're playing, but yep. definitely something to consider. And then the chapter champion, uh, another one I think is going to get overlooked a lot, but he's amazing. The, uh, it depends on what chapter you're playing. If you're playing Imperial Fist or something, you're probably not even going to look at the company champion. But uh, with an army like White Scars, uh, the company champion is already an absolute <coughs> pimp daddy. Like, he's ridiculously good. A I've been, pimp daddy? Yeah. <coughs> Yeah, Mac Daddy. What do you want? What do you want? What do you? What are you kids calling him these days? Uh, not Pimp Daddy. Let me tell you that. So what would you say? He's really nifty. He's a chapter champion, is what he is. Reese. Oh God, get the, you are so vanilla. I, I'm very vanilla. You're like Superman. You're white bread. <laughs> so uh, the 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 company champion was already a beast. For the points, it's dumb how good he is. Uh, in any chapter, although a lot of chapters you're, you're not going to use him because it's not relevant to your overall list. But in White Scars, um, a like 55-point model that does the ludicrous amount of attacks, he's rerolling hits and wounds, 6-inch heroic intervention, all this insane stuff. 
And then when you get to uh, turn three and his sword is, you can have his sword doing flat, like what, three or three or four damage, AP four. Extra um, attack, yeah. Yeah, it's insane how powerful he is for the points. And now you can upgrade him to have um, uh, an extra attack and leadership. Um, Sorry. He's minus one to be hit. And then there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, my favorite is on a, a, a roll of a one to hit him. The unit that swung on a four up takes a uh, mortal wound. Yep. So you can go into like a big unit of cultists and they're just like killing themselves. <laughs> I mean, not at an enormous rate. And if they have rerolls, obviously it's not very good. It's just kind of fun. Um, another one, uh, when a charge roll is made for a friendly chapter unit within six inch, you get a, he has a reroll charge aura, obviously. Which is really powerful. It's exceptional. It's really good. Again, white scars coming out of reserves or something like that. Obviously incredibly good. Uh, the, blade of, the Blade of Triumph. Oh, this is how he got up to four damage. Um, you give him this, it's a strength plus two, AP four, three damage. For them on turn four, it goes AP5, four damage for White Scars. And then uh, the one that's probably the most appealing, honestly, is you can give him a two-up armor, four-up invul save. Yeah, so good. That uh, turns him into just a little monstrosity. And they're, the the biggest thing and the thing that, that, that Reese kind of glossed over a little bit is how cheap they are. They're like 55 they're, points. They're dirt cheap for what, for what you, you get. get. It's dumb. They're like base four attacks. It's, I think it might even be five or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They get, they get a lot of attacks. Uh, they have a lot of weapon options too, uh, melee weapon options. So you can no, they, 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 no they, they don't. They they have a sword and a. They uh, can't take a thunder hammer. No, oh, you, you get a mastercrafted power sword and a uh, uh, combat shield. Well, they don't get a lot of weapon options, but yeah, they, yeah, they get no they're, weapon. They're options. dirt cheap. <laughs> That's they're they're dirt cheap for what for what they do. Uh, Lou Rollins says in the chat, last chapter tactics was on point. Pablo, well done. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and uh, Ghost Valley subscribe. Thank you so much. 48 months, four years straight. Ghost Valley, you are the man yeah. or lady. Thank you so much. That is amazing. All right. We already talked about Black Templars a little bit. And uh, uh, if you were hoping for more, I apologize. But uh, some of the, the writing staff for Frontline Gaming, the blog, will be covering this. And if you are still waiting on your content submission to get uh, some feedback, I am getting through them. It's just very slow going. I'm well over halfway of the 220 submissions that came in. Um, but just please remain patient if you're still waiting to get uh, some feedback on that. It's just, I am but one man. And there's a lot going on right now. Uh, but there will be more Black Templars coverage in time. So let's jump into the part that I was most excited about, honestly, is the Heretic Astartes Chaos Space Marines. Uh, they got the almost Space Marine uh, treatment. Uh, what I mean by that is they got um, Hateful Assault, which is plus one attack on the first round of combat. They got Bolter Discipline. It's called Malicious Volleys. Uh, they got updated Demon Weapons, which is uh, not, you know, obviously Space Marines didn't get that, but they're really cool. Some of them are very good. Uh, the one that, that uh, I liked the most were the Slanesh, the Rapacious Talons. Um, replaces a set of Lightning Claws or Malefic Talons. And it's a Strength User, AP2, 2 damage. Uh, and then you get plus D6 attacks. And if you roll a one, you poke yourself in the eye. That part's not very fun. <laughs> but you can have a, a Chaos Lord that has 12 attacks um, uh, on the charge, rerolling wounds. <clears throat> it, it's it's very good. Yeah, it, it's really good. It, and Chaos Lords already were really good beat stick monsters. Or just HQ, Chaos League, Space Marine HQs in general. Already had a lot of really good melee options. Yeah, they, they have no problem... With melee, the thing that Chaos has always struggled with is they don't have a lot of options for ignoring Overwatch. That in, in, in this edition right now, that's so punishing because mm -hmm. there's armies that will like kill a 30-man unit of boys in Overwatch, which is stupid, and it shouldn't be that way, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. yeah. Like charging into Tau with a melee army. Like I, I play a corn. Uh, uh, I have a corn army, which everybody watches the show knows that. And it's like, I've, I've been playing Tau frequently lately with them. And every time I charge into them, I'm just like, this is the least enjoyable thing. I would rather go to the dentist with no anesthesia than do this on a regular basis. Oh. And now it's not just how. Now it's like Ultramarines can do it. Iron, Iron hands. hands can do it. Uh, White Scars, to a certain extent, can do it, as John Lennon displayed at um, SoCal Open. It's just not, really, it's super duper not fun to just lose a unit when charging. And you're like, especially when you have like blood letters, you're like, I literally, this is all I do. I have no other options. So I, I would love to see Chaos get some more way, uh, more options for ignoring Overwatch. While a lot of the things I'm about to describe didn't get that, except Night Lords, which is huge. A lot of, uh, Chaos got a lot of options for keeping you in combat, which is really, 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 really powerful. Extremely powerful, right? Like you get there, you can stick someone in, in combat, you can win you the game. Uh, don't have, we don't have time to go f through all of the Faith and Fury Chaos base screen updates, uh, but we are, I did want to focus on Two the, the two that I enjoyed the most, uh, which are Word Bearers and Night Lords. So Word Bearers are probably the most maligned of the Chaos Space Marine Legions right now. Yeah, their their Legion rules are pretty lackluster. They have a couple things that are exciting, like the uh, Cursed Crozius is a very very powerful melee weapon, uh, and we we'll talk about how you can make it like extremely good now. Um, but yeah, they they have really lackluster, like everything really. Um, and then they and Space Marine, the original Space Marines of 8th edition, came out the gates with just the wimpiest everything, like the wimpiest chat, like, you know, chapter rules. And it was because they were the first. Um, they didn't get an updated Legion trait, um, which is a bummer, but uh, they did get a bunch of Warlord traits, relics, and stratagems, and they're really, really good. So to talk about, uh, we won't do like a review of them. I'm sure everybody's already seen that. Talking about some of the ones that were uh, stood out to me. Uh, Exalted Possession is a Warlord trait that makes your Warlord uh, have the Possessed and Demon keyword. Uh, you get plus one strength and attacks, and you get plus one to your move characteristic. That's all obviously amazing. But then there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do in there. Anything that buffs demons uh, is going to buff you up, like the Master Possession has some abilities to buff demons. Uh, the Exalted Possessed, or the Greater Possessed, uh, can give you a plus one strength. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, for example, if you took um, the the Dark Apostle, their, their Chaos Chaplain, and you made him the Warlord, give him this Warlord trait, your plus one strength, you're near, uh, uh, possessed, uh, exalted, or a greater possessed, you have another plus one strength, then you give him the Cursed Crozius, now he's strength eight, AP um, um, two uh, with three damage flat, right? Already that's really good. And then you can give him one of the, um, uh, their chant, their litanies, their dark litanies, whatever they call them. And it gives him plus three attacks. So now this guy is like seven attacks on the charge. With, then you can do another litany because you can uh, give him another one. So he, be strength, he has seven strength, 10 AP, four, three <laughs> damage attacks, hitting on twos with rerolls. It's like total beast mode, right? Like, <clears throat> and there's all kinds of fun stuff like that that you can do in in here another fun one sacrilegious regeneration i think it's one of the better roller traits um you get plus one wound anything that gives you extra wounds is amazing and then every turn you regenerate d3 wounds that's so good it's really really strong that's so so good so yeah. you could you can you could have all kinds of fun with this there's there's tons of stuff um uh the, the other one that, that's a standout is master of the of the union 
add one to the attacks character characteristics of word bearers demon units within six inches yeah right. that's that's really with possessed bombs or something or uh, blood letters yeah oh it's demon units yep uh word bearers demon units. word bearers demon units yep. okay which wow. I, I believe I, I can't remember off the top of my head i i should have looked it up mm -hmm. i knew that question would come up uh but um i believe that applies to possessed as well nice yeah Wow. Yeah, no, it's, there's some really strong stuff in here. Like, the Possessed Bomb was already very, very uh, very, very uh, uh, powerful. This uh, gives you makes it even even stronger. Yeah, it makes sense, too, right? That, that's what Word Bears are all about. They're all about using demonic powers to make you stronger, you know, or something, while also calling the Emperor bad names. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then they have their old one. It's at three inches to the range of traits. Really good, especially with the Dark Apostle. We have a nine-inch bubble. Um, and, yeah. And then there's another one you get D3 uh, command points. Pretty good. Uh, there's stratagems. There's all kinds of fun stuff in here. This is where it gets really excited. I already talked about Apostle of the Dark Council. Um, this gives your Dark uh, your dark Apostle an extra ability, an extra prayer, and he can recite too. He's like the Space Marine version. But the cool thing with them is that theirs go off on a 2+, plus if you take his two little his two little altar boys that run around with him. Um, so it, 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 way more reliable. And in my opinion... Um, the chaos prayers are more interesting than the space room ones. The space room ones are extremely good. Don't get me wrong, but you can do like a five up invul save aura plus three attacks on the guy. You can do minus one to hit. There's really, really good stuff in there. Um, so I think that that's, that's very cool. It makes the dark apostle so much more interesting than he was. Uh, the other one that's, that's very, very good. The malevolent covenant. So good. Yeah. This one's amazing. Um, so you make one of your, uh, psychers, Give him an extra. I'm getting that confused. Uh, so, so this. Oh no! Yeah, this one you auto pass. So yes. you roll the dice. Say you fail. Uh, you auto pass a psychic test. It can't be denied. That's so huge for one CP. Like that, it can't be understated how powerful yeah, this you, is. You're you guaranteed to get your warp time. You're guaranteed to get. You're pressing, like, warp time is the one that you're going to probably use this on. I can't tell you how many times I've been playing somebody and I'm like, oh, no, they're going to warp time like Mortarian or um, uh, Smash print, uh, Smash Lord into me. And then they fail it and then they reroll one of the dice and they still fail it. And I'm like, oh, whew, don't have to worry about it now. Yeah, it's so powerful. I mean, people already spend one CP to reroll the dice for those specific powers, and they specifically save their reroll for those powers. So just spending an additional CP just to have that power go off, it doesn't also count as having doubles either. So um, for any powers that are, do bad things on doubles or something, you don't have to worry about that. It's it's really, really good. And on top of that, it's a completely different stratagem than the reroll stratagem. So you can reroll another die later on in the psychic phase uh, if you need a second key power to go off to. So it makes chaos powers, uh, chaos, the chaos psychic phase, a lot more potent. Uh, and also on top of that, it's a very easy stratagem to splash for. I could definitely see chaos space marine lists splashing in a word bearers, uh, you know, patrol detachment or maybe even battalion, just for a psychic, a psyker with this for the stratagem. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> like it, it's such. A, again, it cannot be understated. Turning something as powerful as a psychic power into a certainty is ludicrously strong yeah i mean if you think about it like this how much how powerful would it be for one cp you double move a unit right? uh, like a, a possessed bomb right yeah oh yeah when you can uh you give them like a bunch of bells and whistles they already kill anything they hit when they're fully buffed um and then you could also throw revered hosts another one of their stratagems which gives them plus one damage 
if in melee, like what? You know, it's it's like overkill. They'll kill anything. Yeah, yeah, and there there were already. I played uh, against some people who had possessed bombs, and a couple models were able to kill like one of my knights. Yeah, right. It was already ludicrously insane, uh, and now they just got it a little bit better. So hopefully, we'll see them more on the tabletop. I, I think so. Like if you're gonna play word bearers, you're gonna take possessed. Um... You're going to mix them in there. They're just, they're so strong. Yeah. Another fun one, uh, Revere, or uh, I'm sorry, Curse of Spoilers. After deployment, you pick an enemy, uh, you pick a terrain piece in your enemy, to, or anywhere, I think it's anywhere on the table. Yeah, anywhere on the battlefield. And then you just say uh, enemy uh, units, and uh, it doesn't grant cover. So let's say like your opponent has like, a building in his deployment zone. He puts all his models in it. And then you're like, bop, no cover safe for you. And then especially for, you know, armies that get extra benefits for being in cover, you know, the camo cloaks, whatever, that it really hurts them. Yeah. Uh, very, very, it's, it, it, it may not come up, you may not use it every time it's 2CP, but it, it, when it works, it's going to be very impactful in the game. Yeah, and, and this is actually one of those stratagems I like um, because it's not as good in 1v1 2000 point 40k. However, in a team event, a stratagem like that is extremely powerful. You can build an entire team list uh, around that stratagem. Uh, where you know your your opponent built something like three thunderfire cannons, uh, and then you just deny a cover save from a terrain piece, um, so that your teammate can take advantage of that. Uh, so I, I like stratagems like that. I like stratagems that encourage different playstyles or different formats, uh, not just in the standard two thousand point one v one tournament format that you see and that most people play. Um, so that's cool. I really like stratagems like that, and I like that GW is using that design space for things like that. It is a very cool power and. You know, like you were saying, it won't come up every time, but when it does, it'll be very good. Yes. Um, uh, and then another one that's that really cannot be understated how good this is, Hexagrammatic Ward. Uh, once, once per character per game, you can treat a failed save as if it were a six. Again, that's I, for one CP, you, you can save a character. You're like, oh, I failed the last save to die. You're like, boop, no, I didn't. I passed it. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good because you're going to use the CP to reroll that save anyway. And now instead you're like, no, nope, he's alive. Yep. Or, you know, it may not even save him, but now your opponent might have to shoot another unit at that uh, character or whoever. Um, uh, it is a character only. Uh, it may require them to waste another resource to try and take him out. It's just so good. Like anything like that, like that, that, that is a certainty. There's no variability involved in a game of dice is like magic it's just so strong um now again it won't always come into play if somebody overkills your character right like oh you failed three and you know and you need to pass them all well okay maybe not but then if you failed two and you're like oh i'm gonna use uh a, i'm gonna use a cp reroll to try and pass one and now i'm also going to use this to auto pass the second yay i'm still alive there's a lot of uh, of applications for this it's very good yeah, and it's for any word bearers character. Uh, so it doesn't even have to be just one. You can have a, a whole host of word bearers characters that do different roles for you, uh, and that you know that one will be safe throughout the course of the game every turn. Well, each character can use it once per game. Yeah, and you can only use oh, it once, yeah. once each, per game. Oh, okay, that's, I didn't yeah. read that, the fine print. Yeah, but it's it's amazing. It's so good, right? Like, it's just such a good, um, it's such a good ability, especially, I'll just jump into the relics too. One of the better relics in there, the Ashen Axe. It replaces a chain axe, already cool, because it's a one-point weapon. Uh, it's plus one strength, AP2, D3, damage. Oh, that's that's cool. No one cares what you really take it for. Models, uh, units within one inch cannot leave combat unless they're a vehicle or a titan. Again, so good. that's insane. You put that on an exalted champion or a lord with a jump pack, and you go bop up to a riptide 
or um, your opponent's screen unit, and you go touch them with uh, with the Lord, and then charge in with other units. You know, only touch one model so you don't overkill it, right? And then that unit can't leave combat. Anything that holds you in combat is a game-winning ability. I, I can't understate it. Like yes. with White Scars with Snatch Captain, who it only works on a four-up, he is one of the most powerful models in that army. This is a certainty. Yeah. And, and it works on things with the fly keyword. Yeah, I would argue that that ability is more powerful than ignoring Overwatch. It's stupendously powerful. When you have both, it's like the full, you have the royal flush. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why White Scars are so good is because they have both in abundance. But yeah, it, it's incredible. And we'll talk, Night Lords get similar stuff and we'll talk about that. Oh, I can't wait for Night Lords. Night Lords are so good. And as a Night Lords fan, I was so juiced. When I saw this, I was like, yes, their day has finally come. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about some more because the Warbearers have some really, really good relics. Um, uh, Crown of the Blasphemer improved the invulnerable save of a model with this relic by one to a maximum of three. Subtract one from leadership of any models within six. Um, very cool. You can give a Lord a three up uh, invul save if he's got a weapon already. Cool. Very cool. Uh, Baleful Icon. Um, this one is uh, very cool. Uh, this one's extremely good, actually. Um, uh, units within six inches of, of the bearer of the icon. Enemy units that charge them are minus two to charge. Right? Like, that's very, very strong. Um, if someone's trying to drop it like it's hot and come into you from reserves, this really bones their their plans. Um, if you're playing against a melee army, obviously this isn't a, a relic you're going to want to take, especially if you just stand next to your screen units. Really strong. Um Book of the Reviler. Let me see what else do. Oh yeah, two Chaos Boons. It's kind of fun. You just you, you the, the Chaos Boons are actually really good buffs. You can just take this, throw it on a guy, give him two buffs from the Boons table. It's pretty fun. The Malefic Tome is very strong. It's extremely strong. Um, you put it on a Psyker, they get an extra power. They they can't cast an extra power. They get an extra power, and uh, they add one to all their um, Psychic checks, which that's amazing, right? Yeah, like it's really you, good. So good. Right, like you take your Lord with Death Hex, Prescience, um, warp, warp Time, and then you have the, the Stratagem in your back pocket. It's just a winning combo, right? Like you're gonna see it very frequently. Um, and then lastly, the uh, the Epistle of Lorgar. Priest model only, when a, a model with this relic, Chance of Prayer, you can reroll the dice to determine if the prayer is heard, and then add one to leadership uh, for models and friendly word bearers units. So then what that means is that uh, you already reroll uh, morale checks for word bearers, and then you can already use the, the priest's leadership, the Dark Apostles' leadership. So that means all you guys mean leadership 10 with a reroll. It's really, really good. And then obviously rerolling the prayer. So good. Because you're going off on a two anyway. So it's like given 97% chance to get your prayer off. Yeah. And then just like with the Master Sanctity um, as well, any ability that lets you reroll those specific dice that you're going to CP reroll anyways, is just, just count that as free CP. Yep. It's really, really powerful. So then we'll talk about Night Lords too, and obviously, like again, we don't have time to go through all of them. Although there's exciting stuff, Alpha Legion, Iron Warriors has some amazing stuff. Before you jump jump on your Night Lord soapbox and talk about how great they are, because they are great, uh, I would like to give some credit to GW. Uh, the Night Lords, in my opinion, weren't in a great spot aesthetically and fluff wise from a game design or rules perspective. Um, we got it; they're like they're scary, and that affected your opponent's leadership and made them run away. And that, like that was cool, but it didn't always work out that way. It felt very weird. It felt very forced, um, and I always felt like there was a lot more uh, design space 
for scariness or, or for terror and having that affect units. Uh, and in this supplement, I, I think they absolutely hit a home run. Uh, and just with the way the Night Lords feel, uh, from a design perspective and from design space, they definitely used more of that terror aspect. And it's just really cool. So I just wanted to give the GW rules design team and the playtesters uh, a little bit of kudos there. It's funny because all I've been getting lately is hate. Yeah, playtesters are stupid. It's the horseshoe mustache. Yeah, it's a handlebar mustache. In chat, okay, in chat, Mariana and Pablo are trying to tell me that my mustache is called a horse, uh, horseshoe mustache. What would you, if someone said, what kind of mustaches does Reese have, what would you say? I and bet before you, you do that. I, I bet you they say handlebar mustache. Don't Google mustache names like Mariana and I did. Just go off your gut instinct. Yeah, just what would you say off the cuff? <laughs> so let's talk about Night Lords, and then I have to agree with Pablo. Um, love it or a 70s porn stash. Handlebar, there you go. Handlebar. Yeah. Or, or Ryan 11B is agreeing with you. I, I call the it the Hogan. Hogan. I call it Wait, the that's Hulk Mariana. Hogan. Get out of the chat. <laughs> Um, All right, Night Lord's time. So, like you were saying, like you were saying, uh, whether you think Space Marines are too powerful or not, clearly they are. By what degree, I don't know. That's debatable. Um, they really nailed the flavor of the Space Marines and Chaos Space Marines. All of these feel very thematic. Yep. And and for that, everyone is happy. The casual player is happy. The competitive player is happy. Um, you know, the, 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 the degree to which they are too strong for space range, yeah. that's debatable, and, but they really did get the flavor of it. Yeah. And, and part Uncle of Sam <laughs> part of a, a game's success is its ability to convey rules to people in a way so that they're intuitive and fun. Uh, if a flying unit has a rule that lets it fly and it shows that in its gameplay, it's a good. It's considered a good unit from a game design perspective, uh, and so GW has really been doing a great job with this. Like Fluff said, or like uh, Reese said, they've been doing it great job with this fluff. Like Reese has said, uh, so it, you know it, it's it's really cool. Um, and so obviously balance is important too, but game design and rules that are intuitive and make sense are also just as important um especially because like we said there are a lot of casual players who maybe don't necessarily care about a balance on a tournament scale um they just you know want to have fun with their buddies and they want to have a reasonable game of 40k uh and that's why rules like this are important and that's also why there's certain uh rules or warlord traits that maybe aren't competitive but they're cool from a fluff perspective um, that's why those are important too, because they give little Johnny a chance to make his captain that he just, you know, ran through a narrative campaign. Uh, and you know, now he has the ability to do something unique and cool, um, that little Johnny can do maybe once in every hundred games. Um, but that keeps little Johnny playing 40 K. So there's a right. lot of little Johnny stories there. Yeah. There's a little, little Johnny. Germanticora says, so when will Yanari get some flavor back? When did they ever have flavor? <laughs> that would, that would be my retort to that. They never really had flavor in the first place, unless your flavor is being annoying. Mm, I think that's their flavor. I think, <laughs> I think that was the first thing that they did when they put them up on the whiteboard. The tears of Unari players are like, they're like rain from the heavens. They just amuse me to no end. To no end. I, show me if there's one person out there that actually painted a Unari army. Do they have a paint scheme? Kind of. Like, if there's someone that didn't just take their existing Eldar army and go, oh, those are better, now they're Yanari. And then there's a someone who, like, was inspired by the story and made a Yanari army and painted it and themed it. That person I'll show one iota of sympathy for. 
<laughs> That's it. Uh. All right, Night Lords. They are amazing. God, it's so good. They really nailed it with this. So uh, Night Lords in the beginning of 8th edition worked. And so their core mechanic, in case you forgot, which you probably did, because most people don't, don't even know what they do, um, they increase the amount of models that run away when you fail a morale check. That was their whole shtick. It totally fits into their theme. Really cool. But then at the beginning of the edition, it worked, and then it stopped working because so many armies got the ability to ignore morale. It's more or less, like by some means. And it just it made their ability just... It worked very rarely, not enough to in any way make it tournament viable. So the the main thing that Night Lords got, the thing that's going to make them tournament viable, um, if not as an entire army, but as an attachment, a detachment in an army, is the fact that they can turn off a model's auras with an 18-inch range. They have two ways to prevent auras. One is just a stratagem, um, Vox Scream, 2CP, uh, at the end of your movement phase, you get a chance to maneuver. 18-inch range. Um, you pick... Uh, 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 so you pick an enemy unit within 18 inches... Of any Night Lord's unit. Of any Night Lord's unit, and then you turn off their auras. That is... So good. Devastatingly powerful. Like, it's, I've said this like five times in this cast, but it can't be understated how... Powerful that is. I don't know if you guys, it's pouring rain right now. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Um, but as an example, right, uh, you are playing a Space Marine player that has the, the, the banner of the Emperor Ascendant that makes you fearless or a model that modifies your leadership, right, in some way. Because most Space Marine players don't even think about morale. It's just not even something... That, that even crosses their mind because it just rarely comes up, right? You go, bop, I turn off your fearless aura or I turn off your leadership morale or modifying aura, right? And then now all the space screens are on normal leadership. And then you go in and let's say you've got a handful of Night Lords units, maybe some Raptors. Um, you got a Butcher Cannon on a Dreadnought in the back, whatever. Uh, you, you've got a, a cumulative like neg negative three, negative four, or five. You can even get up to six aura. Uh, you jump in, you kill one model from every space brain unit within range. Now they're all going to be taking leadership checks at like minus four, five, six. It gets crazy. Yeah. It gets crazy. Like in the beginning of the edition when I was doing this, I would jump uh, MSU Raptors because Raptors also give you minus one morale. Right, and Night Lords stack up to minus three, if I remember correctly. Um, I would jump into the middle of someone's army and just kill yeah, a couple models in as many units as possible. The rest of the units would just evaporate. They just disappear. It's insane how much damage you do when you can pull this combo together. Um, and like, and what I was mentioning, butcher cannons. Is if you kill an enemy, if you kill a model, they can uh, they give you a minus two uh, leadership check. Right, and there's all of these other ways that chaos have to lower your leadership. There's uh, 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 warlord traits that lower your leadership. There's tons of stuff. If you go look for it, right now that you're like, oh wait, this actually can work. It's bananas. Yeah, and it's bananas. Like you're like, oh, I killed one centurion, and you're like minus eight to your check. Have fun with that, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're gone. And and the other thing too, what I really like about the stratagem um, is A, I think GW is going to have to define aura abilities um, because 
there's a lot of versatility to it. My immediate thought wasn't um, the characters and shutting off rerolls and and leadership orders and stuff. It was actually, can I stop a Tau drone from shielding? Because I think I believe it says a unit. It's not a model. I believe it says a unit. So can I stop a unit of ten shield drones from uh, savior protocoling? Period. Like, if that's the case, then you just shut off, you know, a key part of a Tau army. Yeah. Or uh, for the greater good, can they no longer fire Overwatch? Is that considered an aura ability? There's a lot of little aura abilities that aren't just on HQ choices that really affect the way armies play. Well, the book defines, the, if I remember correctly, the BRB defines aura abilities. It's like anything that has, like, a, a radius around it that affects it. You turn them off. It's, like, unbelievably strong. Right. So, so then would this stratagem affect, like... Um, savior protocols, right, on on drones or something. Um, and and I, I'm not. That's a rhetorical question. Um, I think GW is gonna 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 have to come in here and FAQ the stratagem a little bit just to kind of clarify like like what it does and doesn't affect. Because um, I, I can certainly imagine that there's a, a lot of aura seeming abilities that may or may not be auras. Um, but either way, it's a really powerful, really versatile stratagem, uh, and you should definitely take a Night Lord's attachment just for the stratagem alone. Um, in a lot of cases, especially in the meta. Um, you could also use it to shut off Kalexis Assassins that uh, someone pointed out to me. You can, if you're worried about a Kalexis Assassin shutting off your psychic powers, you can just turn off their aura abilities. Oh, actually, no, never mind. It doesn't affect your opponents. Uh, that's what I was going to tell them. It doesn't affect your, so your your units can still be affected by your opponent's aura abilities, but your opponent's units can't be affected by their aura abilities. So never mind. Sorry about the Assassin. Yeah, and Brian Spolero in uh, chat says he doesn't think it matters for Space Marines. It, trust me, it does. I can tell you from experience. And yes, you can make one unit, one unit auto pass with two CP. Yes, you can. Uh, but then your opponent has to burn it. And the whole trick to making this work is affecting multiple units. Uh, armies that it's particularly devastating against are armies like Eldar, who have almost no morale control. Uh, um, Dark Eldar, obviously, before they hit it with their... Um, powerful pain uh, are susceptible to it. Any elite army really is very susceptible to it. It's really good. And then again, like Pablo was saying, it's not only for their leadership debuff power, which is massively underrated because <laughs> most people I think haven't actually had it work on them because it's just not very common. I, from someone who played Night Lords a lot, especially in the beginning of the edition, it is brutal when it works. It's so strong. Um, but you can use it to like do all kinds of other crazy stuff. Turn off a chapter master's reroll aura. Turn off a chaplain, like pretty much any of their stuff. Um, and then the list goes on and on and on and on. It's such a powerful ability because when people write their list, they're writing their list usually anchored around the characters that are buffing the support characters are what you are constructing everything else around usually. And if you can stop that from happening for even a turn, it's just game changing. Very, very strong. It should turn off all the aura abilities, Orion. It um, does. No, yeah. it's it's yeah, it turns off all their all auras. Of them. So if you have well, three like, aura abilities. You have a shadow sun, you're like, boop, can't do any of your stuff. Uh uh bu- 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 the ethereal. Ethereal. Like, you don't get your leadership buff from the ethereal and you don't get feel no pain or whatever. That by itself is incredibly strong. Um, and it, the list goes on and on. It is, it's incredibly good. And I think you're going to be seeing a lot of Night Lords detachments uh, specifically to take advantage of this and some of the other stuff, which we'll go into. Um, very, very good. Night Hunter's Curse is one they already had. It's actually very good. It's basically a free reroll. Um, one piece at a time. Uh, this warlord can charge even if they fell back when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon from 
against your warlord minus one to hit that's amazing uh being able to leave combat and still charge is super duper good mm -hmm. um the, a lot of people i don't think realize how strong it is but so often people forget you can do it right like so frequently like oh okay oh, i'm leaving combat like oh you can't charge because you left combat you're like i can they're like shoot uh, and then the minus one to hit goes without saying it's amazing and then you can combo combo that within midnight clad to get minus two to be hit very strong uh, murderous reputation when resolving an attack uh, made by this warlord an unmodified hit roll of six inflicts a mortal wound in addition to normal damage uh, again you can combo that with the slanesh claws to get potentially 12 attacks and just annihilate anything you hit in combat it's just super good uh the night lord's um lightning claw relic is actually very good on its own too the one oh, that's yeah. in the chaos space rainbow yeah 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 uh, Killing Fury, add D3 to the attack characteristic of this Warlord in the turn in which they made uh, in their first attack. Uh, very good. One with the Shadows, when resolving an attack made against this Warlord, whilst they're entirely on or within a training feature, add one to the saving throw. Um, and then your invulnerable save uh, is increased as well. And lastly, Dirty Fighter, whilst there are more friendly models within three inches of this Warlord than enemy models when resolving an attack made with melee weapon, plus one to wound. Pretty good. That one's, that one's pretty good. That, yep. You know, going into like a tough knight or something. Uh, that can be particularly useful. Uh, in Midnight Clad, use the stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase. Uh, that one's the one they've always had. It's minus one to hit. It's very good. Um, Fox Scream, we already covered that. Prey on the weak. Uh, use the stratagem in the shooting phase or the fight phase when the Night Lord's unit from your army is choosing to fight with. Till the end of that phase, when resolving an attack made by a model against an enemy unit whose models have a lowered leadership, add one to the hit roll. Uh, it's not going to come up that frequently, although Space Marines have fairly high leadership. It's just... Uh, and then obviously you're going to be lowering your opponent's leadership anyway. So it's pretty cool. You know, yeah. give yourself a little prescience, um, especially against Imperium. Uh, very good. Uh, hit and run. Uh, Nightlord's unit can uh, charge even if it fell back. Very cool. That one's really good. Um, we have come for you. Yeah. Miss, uh, enemy use of one inch. Can, oh, yeah, that's that's the one. Uh, we have come for you. So you, you make a, a, a Nightlord's unit. You put this on it. And unless your opponent is a vehicle or a Titanic... They can't leave combat. We've already stressed how ridiculously good um, that is. So the combo there, the obvious one, is um, you take a unit of uh, Warp Talons, I'm not kidding, and the host Raptorial from Vigilus Ablaze. Um, you deep strike them. They ignore Overwatch on the turn that they deep strike. You charge in with the plus two to charge. There's a leadership uh, or a warlord trait uh, in that book that units in the host raptorial get plus two to charge. So you drop down, you get plus two to charge. You but use you roll three dice to- You to use the raptor strike stratagem. Yep. So you roll 3d6 for the charge instead of 2d6, so you're 3d6 plus two to charge. The odds of making it are incredibly high. You can't be overwatched. You tag as many units as possible and they can't leave combat. It's insane. Like it's ridiculously good. Yeah, yeah, and and there's not a lot of, certainly there's not a lot of people taking abilities like Auspex Scan or, or Early Warning Override um, for Tau back, back in the day um, to overwatch or to intercept and fire units coming out of reserve. Um, they're very, very rare. Uh, and so that makes this particular combination even more powerful. And there's so many things this thing, this uh, stratagem and this combo can shut off. Um, than our vehicles, right? Uh, so it's, it's just really good. Uh, and then if you, even against vehicles, um, they still might be able to leave combat, but unless the vehicle has the fly keyword, they still won't be able to shoot, 
right? So in a lot of cases, like what you're seeing with the Iron Hands and Imperial Fists, where they take the the couple Dreadnoughts or the character Dreadnought if you're an Iron Hands player, if you still even tag that Dreadnought, they're still not shooting, right? Or if you tag that Tank Commander or something. So it, it's already really, really powerful. Um, and then as long as you tag a unit that isn't a vehicle or a Titan, you're not getting shot back at. Um, you're only getting charged. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And then, of course, you can also add from the night if you're able to land a unit into terrain to get an additional plus two to their charge. And um, if they charge out of the terrain, and then you add plus one, you hit roll. So, like, I mean, obviously that's not always doable, but you could have plus four to charge with 3d6. It's pretty nuts. Lastly, you have Flay Them Alive, which is a further leadership debuff. When If you can make everything come together, it's very good. Uh, and then I have to say, man, Brian Spolero in the chat, bro, you need to give yourself a hug. You seem very upset, saying everything sucks. <laughs> Go on down, get yourself a Jamba Juice or something like that. You deserve <laughs> it, buddy. You seem like you're in a bad mood. <laughs> there, now, there are, there are some players out there, like, like Don Houston, for example, has already come on record and saying that there are some reservations about this particular combo, how it's not as powerful as maybe perceived and and you know i'm willing to concede the fact that don houston and other players are a lot better than i am so maybe they're seeing something that i don't uh but in general this is still a really good tool and you don't need to use this every time um you just you can use it against certain armies against certain players and it just becomes an auto win or an, you know so you just do it turn two and you just win the game right so anyways it's just a tool to keep in mind a really powerful tool it's extremely good like in, in, in as someone who plays Night Lords, I can attest to that. But, you know, to each their own. Um, and then we'll cover some of their relics because there's some fun stuff in here. Uh, they have Flare, which replaces a Power Sword. Kind of generic. It's not uh, too crazy. Plus one strength, AP three, two damage. Uh, each model destroyed by an attack with this weapon counts as two for morale tests. Obviously really hammering on that ability to make more models run away, which, um, when it, again, when it comes together, it's insanely good. Uh, Stormbolt played. This one is really good. Uh, two up save. Uh, in addition, uh, always counts as being in cover um, when it is not entirely in or within terrain features. So you have a one-up save against shooting um, unless somebody can ignore cover. Uh, Vox Demonicus, uh, this one is also very strong. It's not as easy to use as Vox Scream, but if you have it on like a, a Lord or I don't know, some sort of a character that can get up and get in the mix. Um, it's a six-inch aura that reduces enemy auras to one inch. Again, that can be incredibly strong. It's good enough. And then it's a 12-inch, no deep, uh, no reserves bubble, which, yeah, it's anybody who's played against Phobos Marines knows how good that is. Uh, Talons of the Night Terror. Um, this one's kind of fun. It's supposed to be like their feet, uh, attacking with their feet. But you get an extra D3 attacks when you attack with it, plus one strength, DP1, one, one damage. Probably never going to take it, but it's kind of cool. It's like they're, like, coming in hot, smashing someone as they, they, they get them. Uh, very characterful, not all that great. Uh, improve the armor penetration characteristic of melee weapons. A model with this relic is equipped with by one. Subtract one from the attack's characteristic of enemy models within one inch. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, if it was like units within one, you could take away an attack. That'd be like amazing. But uh, minus one attack from models within one inch. Nah, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's against like something like a knight, it's pretty good because all of a sudden they're getting three less stomp attacks. Um, yeah, it's not bad. It's probably not a relic you're going to take, uh, but, you know, it's a, it's an option. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I give it a B. 
it's not it's not, gonna, it's, it's not it's not over the top uh and then lastly misery of the meek um this one's pretty cool once for battle at the start of your movement phase a model with this relic can drink from the misery of the meek uh regain d6 wounds and gain d3 uh attacks not is bad that, is that what you drink when whenever you nerf the next army the misery of the meek is oh yeah dude the name of the salty tears all the angry emails and facebook posts especially when people are talking trash and i'm like you would never say this to my face but that's fine i hope it makes you feel better no but i just think that's a, a funny name for a, a bar drink the misery yeah. of the meek it was pretty good so i mean that was kind of fun like especially like on a demon prince or something like that it could be really uh it could be really good like healing d6 wounds is no joke but you're probably going to take something that's more reliable you know however it's fun so uh that was just two of the legions there's obviously more but uh lots of fun stuff in here so many uh, fun combos uh, hopefully we've convinced a couple people to try out word bearers and night lords. They are easily the two of the least commonly seen space marine legions in the game by far. And that's why I wanted to look at them because they've, they've gotten so much to be excited about, especially some of the, those combos that hopefully we illustrated for people that are really cool and fun and quite effective. Yeah, and then there's all of the legions. I think got something cool. Uh, Iron warriors are a little more durable. Uh, the world leaders, I, I glanced. The Iron through. warriors uh, can do ludicrous can damage do some, in, yeah. in shooting now. Yeah, they, they can. They can. They're not comparable. They, they're not as good as Imperial fists, but they're still really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, and they just got better. And that's. I think that's the most important thing that if you're a Chaos Space Marine player, um, that you should look at going forward in this book is not what you could have had, but what you currently have now, which is infinitely better than what you had. You know, a week. Yeah, don't be, don't LARP a Chaos Space Marine and be full of bitterness at your loyalist brothers for all the cool shiny stuff they got. Look at what you got, man. Go back and read the Night Lords novels where yeah, you fought with Primarchs. They're bro. making do with what they got. All right. <laughs> yeah, uh, and what I see, what I see people doing um, with this is, for example, you take a detachment of Night Lords, like the Host Raptorial specifically. Um, you take the Warp Towns, and again, Chapter Proved is not very far away. I would expect some points adjustments and stuff like that, because that's what you get in Chapter Proved. Um, that, that's going to be, I think, could be a big boon for a lot of armies out there. You take like the Host Raptorial, you take a Lord with some cool claws, a uh, really powerful melee ability, um, give him the, the relic to, to shorten auras, stop deep strikes, very good utility character, jump him up in the middle of the table, and he's like a Phobos captain, which is amazingly good. Oh, you're playing Gene Steeler Colt. Oh, uh, get lost. You know what I mean? If you get in, ra uh, in range to, to turn off auras or reduce them to one inch, you could really gum up an opponent's plans. Um, you come in with those warp talons, turn off uh, uh, somebody's aura abilities, uh, you go in ignoring Overwatch, hold people in combat, even if they have the fly keyword. There's, it's just really, really strong. Um, take a couple of MSU units of uh, Raptors, and then you go in, and then you pull off your leadership bomb combo and watch someone's face, their shock on their face. You're like, oh, you're like minus 12 on your morale check. Oh, you're dead, unless you use uh, CP to try and stop it. And that's why the key is to do it to multiple units. Um, it's really good. I've done it many times in practice. But why don't we talk about, enough of me fanboying about my favorite Legion. Why don't we talk about the ITC? Because we're running a little long on this cast. Right on. All right. So, so good. Uh, if you like the ITC, like what it's about, you want to see it continue to grow and thrive, consider supporting it financially through the Patreon. The link is on uh, the front page of the blog. It's also in the show notes. You can do so for as little as $1 a month. 100% of the proceeds go back into the ITC to cover things like server fees, uh, trophies, 
man hours, all that crazy stuff that goes into making the ITC function. And we also do really fun stuff like flying in the winner of the Australian ITC. Uh, we didn't pay for all of it. We paid for a really big chunk of it to, to enable them to come to the LVO. And we love to do that for other countries and other, um, and other scenes like the emerging Spanish and German and Asian ITC scenes, the, the Scandinavian countries. We'd love to make it easier for people to come to the LVO to try and finish strong and represent their local area. Uh, and that all takes money. So if you want to support it, please do. If not, no big deal. Let's take a look at the events going on this weekend. Pablo, you wanted to take that away? Yeah. Do it uh, to it. So we have the Tom Torneo Warhammer 40K Eliminacion Directa uh, in Cochabamba, Coca Bolivia. Yeah, we have an event in Bolivia, which this is the second event we've had in Bolivia. That's so, so great. Yeah, Isn't I know that, that was cool? bad. That was, I know that pronunciation was awful. I, I'm reading with no with no glasses, so, you know. Would you like, it, would you like me to take it away? No, I could do it. I'm a, I'm a big boy. The, right. the you know what? He, you're, you're LARPing as Frankie. Keep, keep it up. <laughs> the Sci-Fi City, <laughs> City RTT in November in Knoxville, Tennessee. We don't have to read all of them. Just go over the, the majors oh, and the okay. GTs. Oh, I wanted to read all of them. I'm warming up here, man. Okay. <laughs> so if, if, if there's one in a cool spot, in a cool place, like, uh, uh, like Vostergotland. Sweden. No, oh, you know why don't you name that one? That one sounds interesting. It's in Gothenburg, which is Gothenburg. If I Goten, uh, Gothenburg. But the Swedes, the Swedes, they have tons of ITC events. Oh, anyway, okay, fair do enough. your thing. Buddy. All right, we have a major, the Grand Slam Element from Element Games in Stockport, UK, on the November twenty third and twenty fourth, uh, and check that out. It's going to be a major in the UK. Um, should be a very good one. Here's a hint: they're all this weekend. They're all this weekend. Yeah, so you don't need happening to this date. weekend. You know what? You know what, Reese? This is uh, this is a new. I'm the, I'm, I'm the heckler throwing rotten tomatoes. <laughs> this is my sophomore episode on Signals from the Front. Line. No, you've mm -hmm. actually been on uh, three times. Oh yeah, you're right. That's fair. Uh, all right, uh, moving on. Um, we have the Hive Hard GT uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, happening this weekend, sponsored by Hobby Master. Uh, we have the Midgard Warzone in uh, Drammen, Buskerud. Norway? <laughs> I completely <laughs> nailed that one. Uh, nailed it. In Norway happening this weekend. Uh, and then we have the Geelong Heresy in uh, Geelong, Victoria, Australia happening this weekend. And that's actually a major. Um, finally, we have the, well, we have two more. FA Cup, Warm 40K Grand Tournament in Hong Kong. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And then the last GT, the simply titled Warhammer 40K uh, at the Barnyard Brawl Fall Gaming Convention in Greenville, South Carolina. This is the international weekend of events. There are a lot. You've got Dude, one in Hong Kong, Bolivia. The, the sun never sets on the ITC. That's the new expression. Like yeah. this, this weekend, it will be sunny on some event everywhere in the world at some point. Yeah, and and that's that's partly might be because of Thanksgiving weekend coming up, and so people don't want to in the U.S. don't maybe want to necessarily put their events so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, like next weekend, there's a dearth of events. Uh, yeah. It's like that around the holidays. But also, there's just a lot of events in, in around the world, ITC events happening. Uh, so, you know, check them out if you want to go to one of them, if you're interested in Warhammering this weekend. Find an ITC event near you. You nailed it, bro. And then we have a couple of events finishing out the month of November for Age of Sigmar. Check those out. Uh, another one at the Barnyard Brawl Gaming Convention. And, of course, uh, in Winter Park, Florida, we got the Warhammer AOS RTT. Get out there, get your points, support your local scene. 40K ITC Top 5. Jim Vassal continues to lead the pack, but Richard Siegler has narrowed that gap uh, immensely. Am I reading that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. He's narrowed the gap down to points. 13 points. 
Okay, uh, this bears some investigation. What what kind of black magic is Richard the Drone Master Siegler up to? Uh, well, he did just uh, go to the BAO. That might have bumped up his score. Uh, I'm sorry, the SoCal Open, not the he BAO. He won Nova Open. Oh, he won, he won the Warzone ATL. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. That's what just happened. And he got third yeah. at the BAO. Jeff won that one. And he got sixth at SoCal. God, he is finishing the season with a fury. Yeah, R- Richard Siegler and, and Jim Vessel. Jim Vessel has been, has been the, you know leader of the pack pretty much all year yeah uh but rich siegler's coming in hot um it'll be interesting to see what jim vessel does now that he has these chaos space marines faith and fury stuff jim jim stop going to raves in mexico start focusing your game son because your crown has been resting a little too easily on your head uh the drone master is coming for you this changes the math coming into the lvo immensely yeah, it, it'll it'll come down to... It's going to be an exciting finish. If those two players make the top eight, it'll be whoever does the best. What if they draw each other like round one? Then then they'll be, be like, playing is, for the ITC champ. Like, you guys are on stream. That's, that's the, that is the first... <laughs> and they they yeah. tie or something. Oh, no. Uh, and we got Nick Rose that's uh, also having a strong end of the season coming into third. Uh, Nick Nonavati has dropped into fourth. He's been supplanted by Mr. Rose. And then Richard, the drone master, Siegler. John Lennon. Has been uh, okay, his his teammate done. John Lennon. There you go. What what do we call John the gentleman Lennon? What was it? John, it, I'm uh, not the Beatles Lennon. Yeah, John, <laughs> I'm not that John Lennon. <laughs> not that John Lennon. He is in fifth place, also doing really well. Uh, ITC Hobby Track top five. Jim Vessel is continuing to lead the pack there. He's really hedged his bets. Like no matter what, he's going to be coming out looking he, he's, looking he's good. Doing well. Uh, Lou Rollins is in second, nipping at his heels. Paul Winters in third, Dominique Carette in fourth, and TJ Lanigan. What? Did TJ come out? No, he's still up in the in he's the in seventh place. He's in yeah, seventh place yeah. in the competitive track. Uh, he is in fifth in the hobby track. Uh, Age of Sigmar current competitive uh, top five. And this has been a very exciting one to watch. It's been a lot of shifting as we go down the the home track, the home stretch here. Jeremy, the French overlord, Vessier, is in first, followed by Alexander, my nickname is not Gonzo Gonzalez, in second. Anthony Lawrence in third. Matt, the Jersey kid, uh, disappeared from the face of the earth. Pashby in fourth. And Chris Bergman in fifth. All right, ITC Hobby Track AOS, top five. Rich Waters is in first. Jeremy Vessier is in second. Matt Beasley in third. Alex Gonzalez in fourth. And Matthias Crucial in fifth. Warmer Underworlds, current top five. Ivan Cho is sitting extremely strong in first place. Also the only player with four events under his belt, so that could get shifted at the LVO pretty considerably. Uh, In first, because there's three events at the LVO, so you could rack up. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of shifting in the rankings. Uh, Jonathan Colson in second, Tony Field in third, uh, Matthew Martin in fourth, and Daniel Velasquez in fifth. Kill Team, current top five, the one and only Michael T. Holy. Sitting with a huge lead in first place, Alex Torbert in second, uh, Janice Gilhelm in third, George Rollins in fourth, Matthew Hole in fifth. Beautiful. All right, we got a couple of FLG Paint Studio commissions. This is a, a tabletop level uh, this iron. Is tabletop? Yep. Oh. It's got a lot of trim and stuff, which makes it look fancier. And then the characters, we always throw a little extra pizzazz on them. Uh, the relatively simple Iron Hands Commission, uh, the client specifically asked for just black basing. Some people like that. It's fine. Uh, very cool. Yeah, and these are some old school Marines, too. These are, yeah, these are Space Marines. Marine Scouts. Uh, one of them is the Master of Executions from the old Masters of the Chapter kit. 
Uh, and you know, this this is another great kit. Uh, and we do you know uh, commissions other than the the normal 40k Age of Sigmar miniatures. We do metal miniatures. We have done fantasy D and D miniatures like that in the past. Um, we'll, we'll paint any miniature you got. If, if if we can slap paint on it, we'll consider doing it for you. And uh, man, you, you can tell this guy he likes melee. Yeah, he's got he's got a thunder hammer on his scout it's sergeant. Like, on his scout bike. Yeah, that's that's, that's how he knows this guy. This guy knows what he wants. He dude, he's got like four smash captains, a lieutenant, a chaplain. Yeah, and then a thunderhammer. It's just some scout. scouts. He's like, I, he's like, the scouts are here. They're here just to fill in the the tax slots. I'm about those characters. Absolutely. I like it. So consider us for your next commission. We're always taking new commissions. If you'd like to paint for frontline gaming, you can submit um, an application through the website. Let's jump in and answer some questions. And then we can wrap up. An extra long episode of Signals. Hmm. Uh, custodian Cap, if I hadn't beaten Richard at SoCal, uh, he would have already passed Jim, assuming that he would have won the SoCal Open. Uh, Richard is going to top table open in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, so, so Richard's going to go. So there's still a couple more majors, actually, to that table, we have. Oh, to table top open? I think... I don't know. Anyway, uh, Lou Rollins, dude, Siegler is kicking butt and taking names. Yeah, he's he's finishing up this season like with a you, he got he just like leveled up this year. Like he went from like doing okay, okay to just smashing. Yeah. yeah, this this might be. There's still a couple majors left, but this might be the first time I think in ITC history uh, where the person who's been the number one frontrunner throughout the whole year might get dethroned before the LVO, which is uh, rare. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it of an instance off the top of my head yeah. where that happened. Yeah, yeah. we've been it's, tracking it's happened a long time. at the LVO before. Yes. Like Nick Nanavati famously did it. He came from nowhere and won it, and he wasn't winning that season. Yeah, yeah, but but these are that people... was Tony Grappando's year to win. He was leading the pack. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, but yeah, it's it's uh, very rare when the top frontrunner gets you know dethroned before the LVO. And that might actually happen. Rich Ziegler's really hot. Uh, Jim Vessel has cooled off a lot, um, and he has a Chaos Space Marine. Codex to adjust to, whereas Richard Siegler has been running his tried and true Tau list all year, um, and it seems like it makes sense that for him to finish it. Now, Tau are going to have some trouble dealing with Night Lords players coming in, Chaos, Chaos players bringing in those Night Lords attachments, um, so it'll be interesting to see how Richard handles that moving forward. Um, so, it's a very, very exciting final couple months before the LBO. Indeed it is. All right, everybody in the chat's just kind of chatting, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up because we're running a little long. But thank you for hanging in there with us for this uh, extra fun, extra chaosy, extra rhino episode of Signals from the Frontline number 663. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, consider picking up a mat or some ITC, ITC terrain during the Black Friday sale, which is going through Cyber Monday, which is December 2nd. And until next week, happy gaming, and we'll talk to you then. So long. Mm -hmm.